Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Kicks and Picks podcast. It's your host, Scott, today. Um, Nick is unfortunately absent due to some plane travel difficulties, um, so you'll be dealing with me. But luckily, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Nima Tavali Rudsari from Sempre Inter and the Italian Football Padca- Podcast. He is obviously an expert in all things Inter Milan, so we will be diving deep into the club as part of our summer series, State of the Club. Nima, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing? Well, it's good to be with you guys. I'm doing well. How's, how, how are you? Hope you're all doing well. Yeah, we're doing all right. I mean, we are in the thick of the summer, which means there's lots of things going on, you know, typically off the field, but doesn't mean there's any shortage of things to discuss uh, obviously Inter had a, a pretty solid season, so maybe we can take a, a peek at the uh, year in review. Just a quick recap, made it to the Champions League finals this season, although did come away with maybe a slightly disappointing one uh, nothing loss to, to Manchester City. Nothing really to be ashamed about. City been a, a top club for many seasons. Um, Inter Copa Italia champions, so they do get some trophy, or they do get some silverware this season. And uh, finished third in Serie A, 72 points, Nick wanted to call out, uh, especially that's two points behind Lazio. Um, I'll, I'll let him get that shout out in, even though he's not on the podcast today, because I don't know when that will happen again. So what what were your thoughts on the season as a whole? Would you kind of mark that as a successful season? Or do you think there is more in progress and, and there's more to come maybe in the, in the next couple of months? It was a very weird season and it was a very difficult season. Um, it reminded me in many ways of 93, 94, when Inter almost got relegated and ended up winning the UEFA Cup in the middle of that. <laughs> um, it was it was a very strange season and it kind of all started, Inter's problems started in the summer when they, they were going to buy Bremer, but they completely cocked that up. And then as a that had la- that had a ripple effect just because Simone Inzaghi had prepared to play a certain way with uh, Bremen and that never happened. And then the Milan Skriniar, they were counting on selling and he didn't extend his contract and ended up leaving and the whole thing dragged out. It, it, it was everything tactically on and off the pitch. was it, it was an earthquake, the way they lost Dybala, the way they lost Bremen because they were dragging their feet. Um, that kind of put caused chaos at the club. Um and for Inzaghi in his preparation. And I think after that, he was pretty much playing catch-up for the rest of the season um, in the league. Uh, that coupled with injuries to key players like Brozovic and Lukaku, who were injured for most of the season. And Lukaku, obviously, when he wasn't injured, needs time to get going. And he was woefully awful for, for large parts until he got going. Brozovic was good when he was playing. Um so it, it was a very, very difficult, unbalanced season. And you saw, I mean, Inter still created lots of chances. They have an identity. They 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 were a team that knew how to, how they play, how they wanted to play. And they had a clear identity. They just couldn't kill off games. And they lost many, many games because of that. 12 defeats in the league is way, way too many. Um, but they still managed to finish third. They, they, they defended, successfully defended their titles in the Supercoppa and the Coppa Italia. And then, of course, the Champions League, the finals, in six-time Inter in the final, which is truly, truly remarkable. Um, and, you know, that's historic in and of itself. So it was a weird season. It was a difficult season, but it ended, despite the defeat against City, it ended in a, in, on, a, on a positive note in the sense that everyone was united. The club was united. The ownership, the manager, the, the directors, the players, they were all... They all kind of came together 
um, and not everyone is on the same page. And that's why when you see these departures in the summer, there's not, you can tell that everyone is united. They, they, they've agreed on this strategy and they know what they want to do. But no, the last year was very, very difficult. It's very difficult to give a, an overall mark. But at the end of the day, I mean, in the league, it was not good enough. Absolutely not. 12 defeats is way too much. Third third spot is okay, but 12 defeats is not good enough. Um, they won the Coppa Italia, they won the Supercoppa, like you can't do better than that. And they got to the final of the Champions League, which kind of saves the season. It made, you know, it really, really makes this a, a season to remember in many, many ways because of that. And also, of course, beating Milan, the Euro Derby. I mean, beating, you know, that's only yeah. happened twice before. The Euro Derby, taking revenge on Milan in the Euro Derby for the previous two losses in the Euro Derbies in the Champions League. That is, that is very important. Beating Milan four games in a row in three different competitions. Four, yeah, Coppa Italia, Supercoppa, Serie A, and another four, four competitions even, Champions League. That is was very important. Yeah, those are usually the little silver linings that you can kind of take out of these mixed bag seasons sometimes. You have those those wins, those results over the, the local rivals. I'm going to point out, I think, I'm glad you brought this up, that, you know, the, the season... Sorry, they didn't play off. Milan in the Coppa Italia. I got confused there. It was a Serie A, Champions League, and, and Super Coppa. Yeah, so three semis. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm glad you brought up that the, the summer kind of, of of last season kind of set Inter up on a, a, a rocky foundation with, with some of the dealings that they expected to happen not occurring, giving Inzaghi a little bit of confusion maybe on how he was going to set up to, to start the season. The results kind of showed they picked up, I think, five of their losses were, were pretty early on in the first two or three months of the season. And yeah. then they kind of got it together. Um, so I, I think it kind of calls attention to why, although we say you're not going to necessarily win the league or win a trophy in the summer, it, it does have an impact and it can kind of set you back in some of your goals, especially if you have lofty goals like a club would uh, Inter would have. Um but, you know, I, I think they have a, a pretty similar story to, to how a lot of Liverpool seasons, sorry, I should mention, I'm a Liverpool fan, um, where they kind of started out, had a little bit of a rocky start, then they get things going. It, they seem to do well coming back from the World Cup break. I think some clubs faltered a little bit, having that time off in the middle of the season, that's a little bit different. But they did have that swoon in in February and March where the, the momentum that they had coming in off of the World Cup kind of fell apart. They had bad results to, I think it was Spezia and um, Bologna. Well, those games against Spezia and Fiorentina, especially, Fiorentina. they dominated yeah. those games completely and should have won 4-5-1, but they couldn't put the ball into the back of the net. You had missed yeah. penalties. You had, I mean, it was it was, it was was really, this is what I mean, that inter-strikers really let them down. Um, and I include Lukaku and Lautaro in that. But what happened is that, you know, and it kind of exposed the the, the lack of quality and depth uh, in, in in important areas. But it was so that that was, you know, open for everyone to see. But at the same time, they all hit form. I mean, when Inzaghi ruthlessly told the team from April 1st, I'm I'm rotating. And he did five, six changes every single week because he was playing nine games in April, eight games in, in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he rotated ruthlessly and decided to play with a lower block, a somewhat lower block, and not counter-attacking per se, because Inter are a ball progress are a very progressive side in terms of ball retention and ball carrying and passing. I mean, they they pass, they have some of the highest part completed passes and the highest both in number and percentage in all of Europe last season. So 
it's not a defensive side, but they real they decided that they were going to treat every single game like a cup final, and this team responded to that, and that's when the results started changing in April and May. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I think that's what we're going to see this coming season as well. You're going to see Inzaghi rotate heavily. He, he he wants to have 22, 23 players of equal quality, and he's going to rotate a lot between them. Um, so I think we're, I think that's where they're going. Um, essentially, it's the, they today they had the pre the first season, you know, season kickoff, and they said openly, "We want to win the Serie A. That is the goal." They usually don't say stuff like that. They usually don't make statements like that. But this today was crystal clear. We want the second star. Our objective is to win the Serie A, um, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna be we expect to have a competitive team to be able to do that. You know, we have a responsibility. Marotta said as a team that came second in the Champions League and so on. So they they are kind of building on that, but they're also rejuvenating. I mean, Erin Dzeko out, Marcus Toram in, um, Handanovic is left, uh, Daniel D'Ambrosio's left, Roberto Gagliardini's left, Dalbert. You know, all of these players that that have been you know somewhat fringe and old and older they've all left you know Milan Skriniar left on a free transfer because of that but you know things like that and they've managed to extend Chalanoglu Bastoni they wanted to keep De Frey now they're looking at cashing in on Nana they are basically rebuilding the you know the rebuilding phase is coming in and also they want to lower the wages the wage bill from 134 to 137 million euros a year gross to somewhere around 120 that's where they want to be um, so it's it's clear that they are going you know that they want to win the domestic treble and to reach at least around the last sixteen in the in the Champions League next season. Um, that that is the obvious. You know that, that that's what comes across from them. But now we're only halfway through the Mercato, and it was at this point last season, last summer, that everything fell apart. The wheels came off with DiBala and Bremer. Those twenty four hours, forty eight hours that Inter never really recovered from. Um, so you know you got to keep your eye on the ball, and I think the the, the club knows that now. So with this this rejuvenation of the squad and, and some of the French players getting kind of moved on, looking back at last season, who were some of the, the standout players for you? Maybe players that stepped it up, uh, had a breakthrough seasons or or carried you know a larger load than maybe what would have been expected? I think Hakan Chalanoglu playing as a as a deep line playmaker is is the first name that comes to mind because it was a it was a it was a move that came out of necessity and it turned out to be absolutely fantastic because he was world class in that position inter barely missed marcelo brozovic i think we know that the reason why they sold brozovic was not just because of his age and his high wages but also because chalanoglu was so good in that position and it allowed inter to play much more direct and play deeper um as brozovic is much more patient in the build up than 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 when chalanoglu was there um, so that's that's to me, Chalanoglu as a deep line playmaker was definitely the one of the surprises of the season. But Andre Onana as well. I mean, him coming there on a free transfer and and his ability. I mean, people talk about a goalkeeper that's good with his feet. I, I think that's somewhat misleading. Being good with your feet is now every goalkeeper has to be good with his feet. What Onana is is essentially allows you to play with eleven outfield players, in the sense that his passing vision and creativity is on par with some of the best midfielders in the world. I mean, the passes that he makes, that some of the goals Inter scored, they were able to beat three lines of players because their goalkeeper had the vision and passing of Andrea Pirlo um, in, from the back. I mean, when when you know, even when when they didn't build up slowly from the back, Onana, you know, when they did, you know, he he could play these incredible passes. Also, 
in the build-up phase, he became a right center back. So you need to play with a 4-5-2, essentially. And that gave them a numerical advantage. And it also made them almost impossible to press, as Pep Guardiola noted in his post-match comments, said, look, we didn't even bother to press high up because we knew we would be going walking right into their trap. Um, and we didn't want to do that. So, you know, the, he's you know he was in, he was probably the breakout player of the season. Acerbi, no one expected him to be this good. I expected him to be good, but I didn't expect him to be fantastic, which he was. Um, and Darmian as a right centre back. Nicolo Barella wasn't consistent, but he had the best season he's ever had in terms. You know, there's no doubt about that. And also, I think Lautaro Martinez continued to take strides, as did Federico Di Marco. Yeah, I was going to ask about Latoro because I know you mentioned the strikers had disappointing spells during the middle of the season, maybe let down the team in, in certain games. But I think he did a pretty good job in terms of at least carrying that torch offensively for Inter throughout some of these, you know, you know, dry periods, if you if you want to call them that. And given that he was working with, you know, Lukaku, who was injured and Jekko, obviously, where he was at in his career. You know, do you think he was able to do enough in that position or do you think there's still more for him to kind of develop and, and provide for Inter? It depends on what your expectations of uh, Lautaro Martinez are. I've never f- looked at him as a nine. I look at him as a nine and a half, ten, seconda punta kind of thing. And I think as a seconda punta, he's outstanding. I, I don't, he's too much of a patchy player and he's too much of a, he, he's not too, he's not a killer in the box uh, to be a number nine. Maybe that can change. Maybe he can develop into that. But at this moment in his career, I think he's more of a nine and a half and a link and 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 a and he's a fantastic nine and a half. He's a brilliant link up player. He's technical. He's he's his football IQ is through the roof. Um, but but the the killer instinct just isn't there consistently. He's too patchy. Uh and he shouldn't be any left anywhere near a penalty kick, uh, as he's shown. Um, you know, so that's where I think you know he was. You know, if that's what your expectation is of him, then you'll be disappointed. But I don't have that expectation of him. I have my the expectation of I have of him is is being the nine and a half. But of course, you know, at some point, you know, they have to decide what is he? Is he the ten, nine and a half, or is he a nine? And if he's a nine, well, can he carry that that burden? I I I'm not. I'm you know, I'm a little bit still on the fence there. I think the signing of Marcus Turam, and 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 they wanting to bring back Romelu Lukaku shows that they want to have they want to spread the goals around and that they don't see him as a you know capo canoniere you know goal scorer you know that's not what they see him as and i think that's the right decision yeah i think he's always played better you know when he's had somebody to pair with and and during lukaku's better seasons they've obviously both looked really well so uh it'll be interesting to see how how things play out this season obviously lukaku's still you know unsure if he's returning or not and can kind of broach that subject a little bit more. But I think before we, we get into some of the summer dealings, uh, maybe we can just get a final assessment from you on, on Ngazi. I know you made the adjustment in the end of the season. Um, you, you talked about how that started to pay off dividends, but do you think there was more that he could have done in the previous season? Or do you think, or were you satisfied with with how he kind of set up the, the club overall? I think Simon Inzaghi's problem has never been tactical. Um, I think he's grown as a coach. His issue has been, he's a young coach still. He's only 47, 48 years old. And he was at Lazio for five and a half years. And this was his real first big challenge away from a club that he's been at for 12 to 19 years, somewhere there. I think Inzaghi's problem was has all was at Inter was that he he needed to, he needed to grow with a job. I mean, his read of the game needed to improve. 
it did throughout the season. His substitutions that were much maligned, they were you were once again not good enough, but he learned through the season. But more importantly, his his leadership uh, in the sense that he needs to be more assertive in his leadership. He won the he's won the team over now in the because he's a very modern manager. He doesn't do the whole management by fear, drill sergeant, a la Antonio Conte, Mourinho kind of thing. No, he's he's more a, a leader, a, a player's coach, uh, in the sense that it's more like management by consent. You know, he wins them over in the sense that we're all professionals here. We're at Inter. We need to show pride. We 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 were here to win. And, and he wins them over intellectually. And, and they're all behind him now. You can see that. You know, Bastani, all these players talk about how much they love him and how much they respect him and they love playing his football. And you can understand that because they do play very good football. It's a very, it's not a defensive, outdated football. It's a possession-based game. They just, you know, they just have a lower <clears throat> defensive balance. But so I think he's developed and, and he's a young coach and he needed time to grow and develop. But now it's crunch time, and I think he knows it. This year is the year coming. He has to win the Serie A. He has to... I can't say maybe win the Serie A, but now that he's come out and said that our goal is to win the Serie A, they have to be and challenge until the end. They can't be five, ten points off the pace come May. That is not good enough. He will have to win the Champions League if he wants to stay at Inter then, um, if, if that's the goal. But... I think look, it's clear they want to win. He wants to win the Serie A, uh, and they want to win the Serie A, and that is the objective. But again, I don't like to make predictions in mid-July. You know, you ha- the squads are far from being yeah. even half decided at this point. Juventus have barely made a move. Milan are starting to make a move. Napoli haven't done anything. Yeah. Uh, Roma have done a little, f- a few things. Lazio are kind of starting to do things like with Milinkovic Savic doing. We're going to see more from them. You know, it, lots of teams haven't even begun movement, so it's too premature to even talk about what will happen next season yeah definitely still plenty to come and and maybe we can kind of start you know talking about some of these moves that are, are starting to appear now um some of the ones that are, are rumored um but maybe we can discuss with the ones that have actually occurred so uh Fertese has come in helping out the midfield uh you mentioned Thurum; he's uh on board now as well how do you see these two players that are, are confirmed joining the club for the next season fitting in and what sort of roles do you see them playing in, in the next season? Well, Marcus Turan is a player I wanted two years ago. You know, he was going to join Inter before that injury uh, on the last weekend before the Mercato closed and, and they will have to have to go after Joaquin Correa instead. Uh, so that's a player I wanted to see at Inter for a long time. He has pace, he has dribbling qualities, he's much more direct. And I know that people say that, you know, they, his numbers don't say he's a goal scorer, but I actually think at Inter he will score lots of goals. I really think that. Um, and I think he'll link up really well with Lautaro Martinez and Lau- I think link- I think all four of them will link up together really well. So I'm very happy with that signing. Davide Fratesi is a player who will offer. He's a very dynamic player. He 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 he's he's brought in to score goals from midfield and offer that run from deep. But he's also a good ball carrier and 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 he's he's not he might not dribble million players but he's he is a he's he has good technique he's got a good shot on him he's his timing is excellent i mean he's he's pretty much you know that the people kind of always likened him to a poor man's barella and i think to a certain extent i would say that would be accurate but i think he's too he's too good of a player in his own right to be likened to that because barella's more of a tutto campista he can play in every single role in midfield 
Fratesi is a is a mezzala in a three man midfield. Whether it's a three five two or four three three is different. But he is a he is a mezzala in 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 a box to box midfielder in a three man midfield. And I think that's where he's going to be being brought in. And I think he will do really, really well. He's good at winning the ball. And he's good at, when winning the ball, also driving the ball and linking up and passing. Um, so I, I know he, I, he's, he's, gonna, uh, he's, he's going to fit into Sinzagi's system really well. So you see him more as a complementary player too, but I don't know Maybe like no, I, I see them both together. No, I see them together. I, I, I see Inzaghi wanting to have six midfielders, two for every role, uh, or in this case, four. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he even said today that Barella can play on the left, he can play on the right. Fratesi can play on the left, he can play on the right. So he's going to mix it up. He's already had Mikitarian, who's played in both, mainly to the left of the of, of the three-man midfield. Chalanoglu has played on the right and the left, and but he's mainly going to play in the deep-lying role. He's got Christian Aslani, who's going to play in the deep-lying role. They're going to bring in another midfielder as well. So, <clears throat> no, it's he wants versatility, and he wants sh- options and choices, which is what made Inter tick last, uh, towards the end of last season. Which is why I say that I think we're going to see an Inter that rotates from day one yeah and, and i think uh you know as you look around at what they need to to make that kind of dream of being able to rotate 22 strong players throughout you know there's still gonna be more coming in um some names that are rumored obviously lukaku that's a, a consistent saga i think the the price that inter are maybe hoping for is a little bit lower than what chelsea are trying to get um mm. Where do you see this saga ending? Do you think Lukaku comes back to Inter for another season? Or I, I, I think another... it, I think he does come back to Inter. I think this saga ends on Lukaku and Inter's terms. <clears throat> as much as Chelsea try to fight back, I think they have to understand the will of the player is decisive, and he is he has he's showed that he's willing to give up money and make this work. So I think Chelsea will just going to have to. You know, understand. Otherwise, they're going to have to deal with a player who is who is out of their project and going to sit on the bench and cost them a shitload of money. If you pardon my French, and they they can't really afford to have that. They can't afford to have him sit there and not play and not care. They just can't afford to do that. So, I think what's going to happen is I think what's going to happen is they're going to be a, it's going to be a loan with an option that becomes an obligation if Inter qualify for the Champions League, not this season but the next season after that somewhere around a deal worth 30, 35 million euros. That's where I think this is going to land. Because it's not unreasonable. It's not It's not unreasonable. It's not an unreasonable, you know, offer for a player of Lukaku's, with Lukaku's history and characteristics at this point in his career. Do you take any of the rumors about, you know, Lukaku potentially being looked at from some of the Saudi Arabia clubs as a, a potential? No, we know it's true, but he said he's not interested. I mean, you know, that, that's been, you know, his lawyer came out and said, yeah, we, we've had offers from others, but we're not interested. He doesn't want to go there. So he's truly a player with his heart set on Inter. And, and you think he's decided that. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah. He want he's bullying through that deal. And, and I think Chelsea were just going to have to bite the bullet there. Uh, elsewhere, I think there's also some some potential wing backs that are being looked at. I know Emil Holm from Spezia is, mm. is one option, um, and then there's a, a new player from Feyenoord. I think it's it's Marcus Holmgren Pearson. Yep. Um, which of these do you, is there one that yeah. you think is is the ideal target here, or, or is Inter happy with? Well, neither of them. One? Neither of them are. I, I don't really buy those. Look, I I, I look at this. Uh, Inter's problems are they have to resolve in order goalkeeping situation. Because Onana sold, they need two. Today, Handanovic left the club. They said goodbye to him officially and to Cordas. 
So Onana's the only club at the contract. They're bringing Di Gennaro in, and they're probably going to bring in, they need to bring two more in. Jan Sommer and Trubin are the ones being rumoured if Onana you know, leaves and, and there's other names being floated. So three goalkeepers need to be resolved. resolved. Then secondly, right centre-back. You need to have a starter that replaces Milan Skriniar. Um, and then the Lukaku situation, and then finally a midfielder and right wing back back up because Denzel Dumfries seems to there's no interest in him, and he's you know so he's probably he's going to start. Need to have Darmian in the squad already, mm-hmm. so they've also brought in Jan Bisek who can play on the you know as a, to the right and left in a back three, a young German under twenty one defender who they really believe in. Uh, they bought him from Aarhus in Denmark, so you know I, I think Lukaku goalkeeper then right centre-back, and then go into August and fix the sixth midfielder and the backup right wing-back. So those are the ones that maybe they can wait towards the end of the season, but give... No, the end of the summer for sure. I mean, the right centre-back... The right centre-back and the, the secondary... The striker, goalkeeper, and right centre-back, those are starting... You know, those are players that you, you need to fix that as soon as possible. So who are some of the players for that right centre-back position that that Inter are looking at? Are there any standouts that make the most sense, or is it kind well, of... Well, I mean, it's been players, lots of players have been rumoured. We know Matteo Darmian did really well there, and he's getting a bit older, so they might want to continue that. But at the same time, Milan Skinninger was a starting player, so they need to bring in a starting-level quality player as well. Um, and... You know, so Pavard has been linked for a long time. Mm-hmm. Demiral has been linked, although I think them. I mean, all, that that entire you know all these links have cooled off. Um, and then of course you have the you 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 you've got this Emil Holm stuff, which I can't. I mean, I can't imagine they're bringing in him to be a kind of backup to Dumfries because he's not a wing back. He's well, he's, 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 he's just not good enough um, technically and tactically. I'm from Gothenburg. I've watched Emil Holm play for my home team for years. Emil Holm is a decent player, but he is nowhere, nowhere the level of playing for an Inter or Milan or Juve. He isn't today. Maybe he will be one day. He certainly isn't today. And he's very, very young. So I'm, in, you know, for me, not buying Raul Belanova was a huge mistake, which I think Inter are going to regret miserably, because he's not far off of becoming, I think, a, a of becoming a starting, you know, competing seriously for a starting position for the Italian national team. I think Inter are going to regret this badly, and it, I understand that seven million was a bit much for them, but I think they might end up ruining the day they let him go. Um, to be honest. Yeah, and so maybe we can kind of touch upon that now. Um, so obviously, there's lots of ambitions and in, in players to sign this summer. Um, like a lot of clubs in Serie A, there's there's always you know some behind the scenes uh, you know situations that kind of have to get taken care of. Um, the good news for Inter is they do have a new kit sponsor with Paramount Plus. They just renewed the uh, kit sponsor with uh, Nike. Nike. How is uh, how is everything going on with with the club? I know there's still some debt that needs to be cleared up, some loans that I think come due next summer. That there's yeah, I need to, we about. need to talk about that because people don't quite understand that, and there's been a lot of nonsense about that. And let me just be absolutely clear: the Oak Tree loan is not a loan that Inter owe to Oak Tree. No, Suning, the owners, took out a loan from Oak Tree using their ownership of Inter as collateral. 
And that loan that they took from Oaktree is to secure Inter's future, meaning whenever Inter need a cash injection, that's where the money comes from, from Oaktree. Okay, so Inter don't owe a penny to Oaktree. And Suning are by law not allowed to take money out of Inter to pay back Oaktree. That's just not allowed. Um, it's one thing if Inter turn a profit and pay out dividends, which Suning then use to pay off that loan. But we're not there yet. Inter don't turn a profit. And not very many Italian football clubs turn a profit. Um, so that's that's just not, you know, that has to be just, you know, that's how it is. Um, Inter's debt, they have a they have a bond that matures in a couple of years for 300 million. And they have an operating debt of three, three, four hundred, three hundred million as well. So they but they've the, the most important thing when they when Suning took out that loan was to lower the costs. And they have the last two years. They've turned a almost 180, 90 million euro profit from the transfer market. They've lowered the wage bill significantly. And they, you know, they are, you know, so they're in a much better financial position than they were, than they've ever been in. Well, before Suning, just in the beginning, when since Suning took over, Suning did a really good job in the beginning. And there's been problems, of course, with the Chinese economy it's slowly recovering. So now sponsorships could return to China from uh, China again, because they were at one point almost 100 million euros a year in sponsorship deals from China. Now it's down to three. So, you know, th that's also been a problem. The Chinese economy is recovering. And of course, Suning being a Chinese company or a mega company, they they their main contacts lay there. Now, the kit sponsor thing with Digital Bits was an embarrassment run mm -hmm. by the, you know, the the, CEO, the corporate CEO, CEO, Antonello, and the chief financial officer, Luca Danovaro. They screwed that up royally. Someone has to answer for that mm -hmm. uh, with the Digital Bits, because it seems like they got, based on what Digital Bits CEO said when he came out, he basically, you know, made basically said that, well, he didn't say it in so many words, but if you understand the law, you'll understand that essentially Inter got fell for the 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 easiest bait and switch rule in the book. Uh, they didn't they didn't see, they didn't look they didn't read their contracts and who they actually signed a contract with. That's what digital bits say. If that is true, then Inter got suckered in the easiest way ever, and whatever you know, whoever took the final decision and gave the final okay to that, heads have to roll because it's incredibly embarrassing. But that's in the past, and that's now up to litigation, and the lawyers are involved. What we have now is a thirty million dollar, thirty million euro hip sponsorship deal with with Nike per year, fifteen twenty million from Paramount Plus, um, other deals as well with Leo Vegas and other other companies for with us for the training kit. They're looking for a you know for 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 a back for for an, a further a partner at the back. The aim is. To, is to bring in somewhere around 60, 70 million euros from sponsorships of the kit alone per year. Mm -hmm. They're looking to hit that target. They're looking also, you know, you know, if if the Chinese economy continues to recover and and these things, then they're looking to bring back sponsorships and all the deals they sign with them, with the, with, with the Chinese companies and bring that up to somewhere around 90, 100 million euros as well. So they are recovering. And also, you know, Inter have the have the highest average transfer uh, sorry average uh, average have highest average attendance in the Serie A together with Milan they're number one in Milan number two not much separate them so the and and the, you know so they're looking to build a new project they average something like 70 72,000 each game which is a sold out capacity crowd so they, they make a lot of money I mean Inter set new records for gate receipts 
just nine and a half, ten, almost 10 million or over 10 million for one game, the return leg against Milan in the Champions League, just 10 million euros in gate receipts from that game. So they are they are looking, they are growing and they and 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 the new stadium is a serious project, they claim, and they keep banging on that drum. They just need to actually act on it. But things are looking better. Yes, they are. So you, you would say that, you know, the the finances of Inter are, are perhaps better than what maybe some places are, are insinuating and that shouldn't be a blocker mm. for, for any of their ambition, especially going into to the next season. No, no, not at all. Um, in, in, you know, Inter's finances have been, you know, they've been very open about it. And I think maybe that's been the wrong strategy because a lot of people have used that and run with it and created agendas. Whilst we have, you know, clubs like Juve who, I mean, mm-hmm. they're they committed felonies and crimes and and were thrown out and and of of europe and 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 were given penalty deductions obviously for for the wrong you know they should have been given 20 points 30 points for what they did with the so-called salary maneuver whilst the 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 plus valenza capital gains thing was was blown out of proportion a little bit in my opinion and uh, but i mean i think that this is there was that was a, that was a deliberate strategy as well but you know, in it is what it is. But if we're, t- I mean, they, you know, Inter have turned a loss, but they they have kind of turned a corner, um, and now they're actually in a good spot. Yeah, so I think maybe that's that's our springboard into kind of the the final piece of this this podcast, which is you know let's try to look and see what the expectations are for the upcoming season. So we always caveat this: this is currently middle of July. There are 10, 12 different things that could happen any time between now and the start of season that could you know, significantly impact how we feel going into the season. But as things stand now, what do you think are the expectations for the club or, or maybe even from yourself for what Inter should be achieving um, coming into the 2023-2024 season? Look, it depends on how the Mercato ends. Uh, it depends on if Onana is sold and how he's replaced by and all that jazz. Um, and who is the right centre-back who's going to start? Uh, Lukaku, uh you know, all of these pieces have to fall into place before we can really say that. But there's no, I mean, look, I'm just going to go re- revert back to what Inzaghi and Marotta said themselves. They said, we, our goal is to win the second star. I think Inter's goal is to win the second star, meaning the 20th league title and the 10th Coppa Italia, which would give them a gold star and a silver star in Italian football, and to win the Supercoppa, because it that, that's, that actually brings you quite a bit of money. So I, I think it's clear they're going for a domestic treble. And they are also, I think they've budgeted for a round of 16 in the Champions League. And anything above that is is, is just bonus. I think that's what they're going for. I don't think they are remotely even planning for winning the Champions League or going far in the Champions League. And I don't think they, they can. I think without Onana or a goalkeeper who can beat the press because of how good he is with his feet, I think unless Jan Sommer turns out or Trubin turns out to be that good and can and can cover for that, they're going to be weakened in that position. I think in Europe, that's decisive. I think that is the main reason why Inter got to the final. And also, of course, you know, you need to be a bit lucky with the draw, but we'll see. We'll see where Inter go. But I think, yeah, no, domestically, I think they're going for all three titles. Yeah, I think in, it's kind of shared too by by some of the outside perceptions. Um, currently in the gambling and, and book market, Inter are the favorite to win uh, the Scudetto next season. They're sitting there at plus 200. Do you buy that this early in the season? Do you think that they are the clear favorite of all the clubs in, in Italy right now to, to come away with a Scudetto. And I, I don't know. I wouldn't say they were clear favorites, but I do understand why the bookies have them there because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, um, I mean, if you look at the others, there is a lot of uncertainty 
I mean, me, Napoli have lost their coach and the best central defender in the world, if you ask me, based on last season, Kim Min Jae. Rudy Garcia is not a serial winner. Rudy Garcia is a very strange choice. Um, their, their sporting director left. Uh, of course, Victor Osimhen is still there. Hwicha Karatkhelia is still there. Even though, you know, we're recording this on 12th of July. Who knows what happens there? But unless somebody comes in with something stupid, you know, they look like they're going to stay in. And, and Napoli maybe even sell Zielinski and bring in someone youth. So they're rejuvenating. And whenever you do that, it might, it takes time for the young players to get, you know, to, to get, you know, to hit the ground running. So there are question marks there. Then you look at Milan, who, you know, have been one, it's been a lot of drama there. You know, Ricky Massara and Paolo Maldini being sacked on the spot the way that they were. Um, selling Sandro Tonali, bringing in these other players uh, from the Premier League, you know, that's going to take some time to adapt. And you, you can see why they're bringing them in. But again, they're changing how they're playing. And that, that also is going to take some time. Uh, Juve, you know, they're going to play with a 3-5-2, but they have to end the, pro- end the season and the summer on a profit of 100, 140 million euros. Who goes, who stays, who comes in? They're also going for a youth project. Um, they've they've also got a new sporting and management coming in with Allegri obviously obviously staying. There's lots of question marks. I think the Serie A, what makes it the most exciting league is the fact mm-hmm. that you don't have a clear favourite. Inter as well. I mean, yes, Inter have done things, but you also have to remember, Inter have lost. Samir Handanovic, who was a captain. Edin Dzeko, a, the captain of the Bosnian national team, a leader. Marcelo Brozovic, deputy captain, gone. Danilo D'Ambrosio, been there for a decade, leader in the dressing room, gone. You know, these 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 leaders in the when when four important leaders leave and also Andre Onana was a leader as well. If he leaves, you know it leaves a vacuum. Who's going to take up the, take up the 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 fallen mantle of these guys and be the leader in the dressing room? And my Milan Skriniar, another one who was always touted to be the captain, he's also left. So there's four or five really important dressing room characters and starting characters who've all left. So there's lots of question marks. But yeah, I do think that at this point you can say Inter are perhaps today the ones that are in best position to win it. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't discount Lazio even or Roma. I mean, if with anything we learned from Napoli is that if you actually hit every single transfer transfer signing and, and, and you create that environment, you can actually have a magical season and go on and win the Serie A, you know? So it's um, I, I think this that's the Serie A the Scudetto is very much up in the air. I th- I think Milan, Inter, Napoli, and Juve all have a good chance of winning it. But of course, I think at this point, Inter are in the best position to win it. Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely seems, even though it is this early, um, that there's a lot of things going in Inter's direction that kind of points to that, and, and that's probably where the books are are setting the odds um, accordingly. But um, as you mentioned, like it. One of the reasons why we love Serie A so much is it, it also has that, you know, anybody can come from anywhere and, and put together a strong season if they have the right mm. pieces. Yeah, I mean, look at Roma. I, th- I think Roma, look, if if Roma managed to get Scamacca and they managed to keep Dybala and they continue, I and mean, if they can even get Kamada on a free transfer and continue doing what they're doing, I think Mourinho's got something really interesting going on there. Yeah. And the same thing with Lazio and Sarri. I mean, Sarri, he finished second, for Christ's sakes, last season. That is an unbelievable achievement. And now they've got 40 million coming in from Milinkovic-Savic. He wants Zielinski. I mean, we know that 
he loves Zielinski. Even, you know, he compared him to Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, that's how much he rates Zielinski. So he want if they can bring in Zielinski, if they can bring in, you know, if they're going to sell Marosic as well and they can strengthen, you know, their, their defense and, and, and also maybe bring in a striker as well. I mean, who knows how well they can do Lazio. Yeah, let's take a look now at uh, the the Champions League competition. I know you mentioned they had budgeted for an appearance, hopefully in the the final sixteen. I'm going to one up that. I'm going to say I think Inter can get themselves back to the quarterfinals with a good yeah. draw, of course. <clears throat> do you agree with that? Do you think that's a, a a likely goal for them in in Europe, or do you think, think that maybe I, they had a a better run this season than can maybe be repeated next season? I I don't think they'll get to the final. I I think if Inter win their group they should get a good draw and get to the quarterfinal. And from then on, you know, it's injuries, form. One thing that Inter have, have, have speaking in favour of them is, well, they are now have experience of having gone to the final. They know what it takes in Europe. And this is also a team that played in the final of the Europa League a couple of seasons ago as well. So this is a team with experience. They have players who have won the Serie A, who have won the European Champions, who won Coppa America, won the World Cup, won the Coppa Italia. They have winners in the squad. The core of the squad are experienced winners who've played finals, won finals, lost finals. So they know what it takes. And I think that can't be underestimated. That, that can't be overestimated in this situation. Um, so yeah. both underestimated and overestimated. You really can't do that. You, those these, these are really important qualities. And they've got players hitting their kind of ideal form as well they rejuvenated but they haven't rejuvenated to like 19 year olds they were rejuvenated to 27 24 25 26 that's a good age and they have a coach who's found who's now in his third season at the club he's got his confidence you know i I think we're in a good spot yeah the challenge to me in the in champions league for for inter is i think that's probably the competition where you would see the impact in the loss of leadership that you mentioned the most Right. Like Inzaghi should be able to to kind of, you know, get around that over the course of 30 plus matches in the league. But in a, a competition that's, you know, has so few games, that's knockout. You know, once you get past the group stage, um, that's really we need to have the leaders on the pitch, because if something's going wrong in like the first 30 minutes, you know, it's it's hard for the manager to really have a, a sound effect on that match like you could have mm-hmm. if you have some of those leaders that are you know out there and playing uh, playing the game. Yeah. No, look, I, I think it's more tactical. I think Onana, tactically, because of the way that he plays, because of how important he, he had, with him, Inter had 11 outfield players and were able to play a 4-5-2. He became the right centre-back. The right centre-back became a full-back. The left, the, the middle centre-back became a left centre-back, uh, became a left centre-back, and the left centre-back became a wing, the full-back. The wing-backs became wingers. That, in and of itself, allowed Inter to play in a way that not many teams could deal with. Manchester City couldn't get anywhere near Inter. Uh, and that's Manchester City, yeah. um, and and essentially they they you know on on the preponderance of play, I'd say Inter had the better chances, um, and 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 you know City didn't really create much other than the goal and one chance in the first half, or no, with Phil Foden of course in the first half. So Inter had the better had the preponderance of chances, and they neutralized City completely uh, in a way that I mean they basically showed everyone how to beat City, uh, how you neutralize them. And, you know, Erling Haaland was in Acerbi's back pocket for 90 minutes. So I think, but but it's clear that Inter want to develop on that path and change how they play and go to more towards that, what made them good towards the end of last season and perfect that. 
And I think that's why they got rid of Brozovic. And I think that's why they, they're getting rid of all these older, experienced players. It's time to air out the windows and and, and oh, clear the air. And, and every club needs to do that. But you have to be careful so that you, you know, so that you don't, you know, so that the plants don't freeze, if I'm allowed to use that analogy to, <laughs> yeah. to its natural conclusion. But yeah, no, it's, 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 um, it is, that's how they're looking at it. And, and I think whether or not this, I mean, it is an interesting, and I've been waiting for this for years now for them to do this. I'm so happy that we're, it's a changing of the guards, much needed. And then we'll just wrap up. We'll take a look at, you know, some of the, the goal scoring metrics and how they performed against last season. Um, this last season, Latour Martinez led the team 21 Serie A goals. Do you see that happening again? Do you see uh, a single player leading Inter in goals with a, a tally of maybe 16 or more? Or do you think it comes a little bit more spread out with a healthy Lukaku with the addition of Thuram? Um, where do you see I think that, that falling? I, I think that I think that Turam's, uh, I think Turam is playing in the Champions League mainly. Uh, I think they're going to alternate like that. And I think Lukaku is playing in the Serie A. Because Lukaku will... The, the Serie A is a league where Romelu Lukaku can score 30 goals. No doubt. Um, I don't think he will reach quite that tally, but I do think he will hit 15-20 in the Serie A. I think he'll probably be probably be Inter's top goal scorer because he's also the penalty taker in the Serie A. And he should be the penalty taker. It's the only aspect of Romelu Lukaku's game that is still world-class is his penalty taking. He doesn't miss. Uh, he buries them. He kills them. Um, I think Lautaro Martinez will continue to take strides. I think we're talking about a player who will score. I think he'll reach 30, 32 goals overall across all competitions uh, in, in the Serie A. I'm not yet decided on whether or not he'll be Inter's top goal scorer in the Serie A. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Turam, I think, will hit 15, 20 as well overall across all competitions. And, and look, if you look at that, 30, 15, 25, that's 60, 70 goals. And if you bring in Fratesi and Barella, if they can hit 7 to 10 each, well, you're looking at 80, 90 goals and, and a few here and there. That, 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 that's like the math adds up for as much you have to, you know, in order for you to score the 100 goals, 110 goals spread across the season in order to win three domestic competitions and get to a quarterfinal of the Champions League. Okay, and we'll conclude things with a look at the defensive side of the ball. Inter last season allowed 42 goals in 38 league matches. Do you see them doing better than that mark this season? They have to do better defensively than they did in the Serie A. They were awful. I mean, the, the the number of goals they conceded was far too many. They did well defensively in the Champions League, eight clean sheets for Anana, but they did not do well in the league. Um, they were too open in the league, and I think they will try to play more tighter and be more def- be more tighter defensively in the league than they are in 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 Europe uh, or the, than they were last year. Sorry, in the league as well. They have to. You don't win the Serie A if you don't have a good defense. It's as simple as that. Um, and I think Zaghi understands that. I think he's learned his lesson the hard way. And I think this is why this is the season he wants to write history and win, you know, his 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 uh, three titles with another three titles with Inter, which together with the four he's won brings it up to seven. And that would forever make him, you know, that would make him one of Inter's most successful coaches ever. Um, so, you know, and he, he is, I mean, he I really believe you know, I in 2017, I penned a column in, in Calcio Mercato's English page that no longer exists, but it, it was called Why I Think, Why Simone Inzaghi is the next Italian super coach after Max Allegri and Antonio Conte. I think this is the season. Well, last season, we saw that he is 
the next the, the next Italian big coach, or he already is after Ancelotti the biggest Italian coach available together with Anco. I think he's right on the level of Conte and 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 Allegri in terms of you know stature and reputation. I think this is the season he surpasses at least two of them. Maybe not Ancelotti, but definitely the other two. Um, and I, I I really believe that. I think this is the season he will definitely kill off any doubts that he is the current Italian super coach. All right. Well, there you have it. The state of Inter Milan. Nima, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you remind the listeners one last time where they can find you? Well, if they want to follow me on Twitter, it's my personal handle is Nima uh, at Nima Tav R-O-O-D. If you want to listen to the Italian Football Podcast, it's available on Spotify, uh, Google uh, Podcast, iTunes, the Italian Football Podcast. Just look for that. Um, where you every Monday we do a free show for everybody, whether we do a review show of the past week. And then uh, for patrons, it's a, you know, we have a Q&A pod, which is on Tuesdays. And then in the summer, we have a transfer deep time on a club um, that we've done Inter, Juve, Napoli. We're doing Milan, Roma, Lazio, these coming weeks, these coming weeks, Fiorentina, Torino. Um, and during the season, we do a midweek review show and everything you, you can get everything for $2.99 on patreon.com slash TIFP. And if you want to follow Inter news in English, go to simplyinter.com. All right, there you have it. Nima, thanks again for coming on the pod. Everyone, please go give him a follow on Twitter. If this is your first time listening to the Kicks and Picks podcast, please consider subscribing to us on your podcast platform of choice. That way you'll get all of our episodes as they drop each week. We should be back again next week with another State of the Club podcast featuring one of your favorite clubs in either Premier League or Serie A. Until then, everyone have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Peace.